charging a man with murder in this place was like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. That's what I always say. Welcome to Speaking Out America. Speaking Out America. Jim, Jim here, Jim JR. Uh, no shortage of things to talk about today as we regroup and try to recalibrate to the madness that surrounds us in this this world. Trim and fit. Finn. What, what was the expression they used to describe Joe Biden? He's trim and fit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Elon Musk spoke uh, uh, at before a group of people, very powerful people, very rich people, very misguided people who run their countries uh, as if they are foot soldiers for this new ruling elite, this non-elected ruling elite who believe they know better than we how to run our affairs. And Elon Musk, the richest man in, in the world, uh, developer of, of, of SpaceX, PayPal, also now the current CEO of Twitter, the most popular social media uh, site on the Internet. And here he is giving his two cents about globalism. One thing I should say, on, and I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but uh, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, you know, if you know, if you look at say the at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, the, the really all throughout history civilizations have risen and fallen. But it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there've been there've been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. You know, he doesn't mention it, but there is the example of in the early period of the 1700s there was general disarray occurring throughout Europe. There were the long war, the 30-year war involving several nations, European nations. It was a, a horrible time. Uh, and at that same time, what was emerging in the West, in the new frontier of America, the North America continent, was this new kind of sturdy, uh, well, we, the, the Constitution emerged. And, and that's all you need to know. So the, while, while the Western European nations were falling apart, and uh, battling in Ternissan wars, here was this new country, this new era. And that's what he's making a point. He uses another uh, illustration, which he'll say in just a moment. But isn't that interesting? And it's actually brilliant. I want to just point out that that is one of the primary arguments against globalism. If you remember Friedrich Hayek in 1943 and Road to Serpdom, which I write about on my website, if you look at the new articles on speakingoutamerica.com, is that we've already proven that centralized power is inherently bad for people. It, it just it doesn't work. It, there are too many inherent problems with uh, centralized power. Uh, it is always better to have power spread over... It's like the internet. You know, you don't have just one place where the internet comes from. The internet is spread all over. There are nodes all over the world. And so if one one of those nodes breaks down, all the other nodes can compensate. 
And on a sociological level, it is very true. Look at Africa. There are some countries in Africa right now that are not doing well and others that are thriving quite nicely. The majority happens to be in the former. But here eventually will emerge uh, through the tussle of these various governments trying to find the right proportionality of rule of law and freedom of speech and human rights and all of those things that have to sort of find an equilibrium in order to have a place like America where people can live, have self-determination, they can feed their families, they can own property, they can protest. You know, you and I take those things for granted. You know, pause to consider when you step out your back door at night and the sun is down and you have all the other neighbors and their lights are on and you can hear music and you can hear laughter in the distance and occasionally a barking dog. That's peace. Everybody is, is, is free. Everybody is taking care of their own immediate needs. Uh, they're, they're safe. They feel safe. They are safe. This is what middle-class America looks like. And we take it for granted. We think it's silly. We think it's mundane. You know, I think of Paul Simon's My Little Town. Listen to it sometime. He sort of makes fun of that middle-class structure, but that's, <coughs> excuse me, that is where that is where people like Steve Jobs emerged from, Bill Gates. These are where the thinkers, the innovators, this is where they emerge from. Sometimes, not always, but it's it's in that stable environment that the American society produces for many, not all. And that was that was an experiment. Now, meanwhile, you've got this conflict going on in Ukraine and Russia and you've got other places, Yemen, Iran, uh, most of Eastern Africa. And these places are in complete and utter turmoil. Haiti, near at home, Haiti, Cuba not doing well. Many South, South, South American countries are doing horrible. Everybody dealing with inflation and all those things that we have to deal with. So the last thing we need is one global coalition where everybody agrees with each other and everybody thinks that everybody else is going to just simply follow their rules. It's just not going to happen. I don't care what Bill Gates says. I don't know what visions he shares with Elon Musk or George Soros or some of these other people, but this idea of a one-size-fits-all government, a global empire that can make sure there's equity and everybody is provided for at the hands of these people, they're delusional. They're absolutely delusional because they think that they have this inherent power through their own intellect. But that's not what brings people together. So here's Elon Musk, a little bit more about this. So, um, you know, say like while Rome was falling, it, uh, it, you know, uh, Islam was rising. And uh, so you had like a, uh, you know, the, the sort of caliphate do, doing incredibly well while Rome was doing terribly. Um, and that actually ended up being a source of preservation of knowledge uh, and, uh, and many scientific advancements. And so, um, so I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a, world, of a single uh, civilization, because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if, we, if the, whole, the whole thing may collapse. Um, I'm not, obviously not suggesting war or anything like that, but I think we want to 
be a little bit wary of actually cooperating too much. It sounds a little odd, but um, but we, we just we, we want to have some amount of civilizational diversity such that if uh, if something does go wrong with some part of civilization, that the whole thing doesn't collapse uh, and 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 you know humanity keeps moving forward. I bet you a lot of people were talking about that afterwards. I'm sure they were. They were probably thinking about what Elon on said, and then they just easily dismiss it and said that that guy's a kook. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I, I look at people like Bill Gates. I, I saw that video that's circ circulating around. You've seen the one? I think he's on a TED Talk. And he's saying that, you know, we're just going to have to reduce the carbon output of this planet, and it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and then he starts using the example of human beings and how much carbon they emit. And I thought, man, this here's a guy who has made more money than anybody. He sets up the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he goes around like George Soros does here in the United States. But he goes around to other countries and inflicts his uh, idea of globalism on them. Should I tell you what happened during the COVID pandemic where he and the NIH publicly funded a study on hydroxychloroquine in an African country? But what they did, they boosted the potency of the hydroxychloroquine when they were treating, I think it was 100,000 people. It's in the real Dr. Fauci. That's the Robert Kennedy book that's out. It's all documented. NIH was involved. And what they were attempting to prove was that hydroxychloroquine was too dangerous. Too dangerous for treating COVID. And they juiced up the dose and gave it to 100,000 people in I don't know what country in Africa, but it was definitely a group of black kids, black adults, black population. It was like the Tuskegee uh, 2.0, all funded by Bill and Melinda Gates, and it was for the specific purpose of showing people that hydroxychloroquine was ineffective at treating COVID, even though... Statistically, today we know from hydroxychloroquine in Africa that, in general, Africans suffered the least amount of fatalities from COVID. The least. Now, almost non-existent in some places. Can you believe that? Almost non-existent. Because hydroxychloroquine is something that they, you've heard this, it's something that they take regularly to fight other kinds of of viruses and diseases, malaria and other things. So hydroxychloroquine is a tablet that they take. Uh, it's, a, it's a penny a tab. But yet illegal. Ivermectin, another drug that we give to our animals every month to help them battle heart disease and other afflictions for young puppies. We give hydroxyvermectin Iver, given to horses, sure. It's an antiviral, but not humans, even though it's cheap. See, this is the thing. This is the Bill Gates you don't know. He's the guy that tells you, I'm going to make everything all right. But yet he has no vial. I mean, look, he may have, you know, inflicted severe damage on tens of thousands of people in a weird experiment just to prove his point. And he did it knowing that the dosage was kicked up 400%. What kind of man does this? Then turns around and tells us he wants to be in charge of the world. Speaking out, America.